You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schliff. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So I just uh, deleted about an hour-long recording because I just was not feeling it. I don't know what my problem is today, but I'm really hoping this goes better. I don't know if I overslept, underslept, what my problem is. I know I woke up with a bad headache. Maybe I did brain damage in my sleep. I have no idea what's going on. But just, I... There were like four separate times where I just paused it and walked away, and I said, I got to start over. This is trash. So I'm hoping I got a good grounding here. We're going to try this again. And um, otherwise, I'm just not doing a podcast today. I'm going to ruin the record because I'm not. It was just garbage, man. I'm not putting out trash. But, anyways, today, what, we, what I want to talk about is um, a couple different things. Um, we got more playoff games. Got to talk about that. There was another head coaching thing, which is really where I got hung up, because I'm, I'm trying to explain my thoughts on these things, and it just didn't go well. And then I want to get back and look at the uh, football games for today and kind of do what we did yesterday, because I think that was fun, and um, a lot more fun than talking about this head coaching thing. I mean, I spent way too much time. I think that's the problem. I need to, the first two things I want to talk about, I just want to fly through. Ten minutes, that's all I'm giving myself. Even as I was talking, I was just thinking to myself, dude, who cares? <laughs> this, this coach means nothing. Why are you spending so much time talking about him? But anyways, uh, Mr. Todd in the Facebook group reached out, and he brought up a, a pretty good point, but I just want to kind of clarify my thoughts on these things. Todd basically um, was unhappy with the fact that I use stats so much, and he said, you know, stats are just, they're trash. They're garbage. You shouldn't be referencing stats. You should go to Football Outsiders. There's no excuse for it. Was his, he was very upset with me. He's, you know, whatever. So I want to kind of just discuss, he is correct to an extent, but just kind of give my overall thoughts. And I've kind of referenced it, but just just to kind of put a finer point on it. Um, And then again, we'll talk about uh, Munkin, and we'll talk about some playoffs, and we're just going to enjoy the rest of our day, because I swear I was about to have time to do a draft video or two, and now I messed it up because there's not going to be time today. But that's all right. Let's get through this. Preliminaries. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. There's also a link to a one-time donation if you'd rather do that. I did add one more thing because I just can't help myself. I see premium tools and it's like I got to have it. So um, it it, it is uh, over the cap has a premium subscription. It's not much. It's like 20 bucks, but whatever. It's just a little bit more because I'm, I'm starting to get obsessed with it. I just I can't help it. To give you a little bit further insights into how boring of a human being I am and how analytical my brain is, when I was younger and I used to play with my younger cousins, and bear in mind these are female cousins, they would always want to play younger, you know, hey, let's go play a game. And in their mind, they're probably thinking like hide and seek, you know, something like that, a normal kid game. My game that I always suggested was called Jobs. Forgive me if I told this story before. I may have told this before. But essentially... It was that we had to set up a little community where we all had jobs and then we had to interact with each other. And my job was always to be the accountant. I wanted to be, at like eight years old, I had the accounting business and they had to bring me their forms from their business. And I had to, I mean, I didn't know how to be an accountant, but that, that was it, man. And I sat in my grandparents' office. My grandparents had an accounting business, so that was part of the appeal. But I had my own office and I had the giant calculator and all this stuff. 
that's me. I'm that guy. So yes, I love salary cap stuff, and I paid a premium subscription, but it's also because I want to provide really good content. I don't want to be like a lot of other podcasts, which I'm not going to dog podcasts specifically, but I will tell you that for the vast majority of podcasts that are out there, I'm talking specifically about Packers podcasts, I just can't handle it. I mean, it's just, they're just rambling. I mean, I ramble, but I ramble about, I don't know, football stuff. You got guys and and never mind. I don't want to narrow in on what I'm talking about. But man, it's just like inside jokes. I mean, it's only like a what is it? A 25-minute podcast and you got a 4-minute intro and you got ads on the show. I'm kind of mixing and matching so you can't tell which one I'm talking about. There's there's several. It's let's just say it's most of them. And then what are you talking about? Like you're a you get down to the meat of it and you give me your opinion on two things and then it's like, "Okay, thanks for joining us." It's like, "But anyways, that's why I do that's why I pay a ridiculous amount of money for pro football focus and I pay for over the cap and I pay for game pass and I pay for all whatever else because I actually want to find substantive things because I'm interested. I would do this anyways. I told you I I, I had an entire spreadsheet that was dedicated to finding out who the best GMs were in the past draft. Not one person on the planet has ever seen it because it wasn't like a public thing. I just wanted to know for myself. But if in any way you do appreciate uh, the depths I go to, it would be greatly appreciated if you would consider the dollar a month donation or otherwise. And if you guys all want to get together and just decide you're going to do five bucks a month, that would be cool because then I could just quit my job and do this forever. So talk it over. You know, I know you guys get together. Just uh, just let me know what you come back with. In addition to that, we have uh, Packernet.com for all your news, notes, and information. Packernet Podcast Facebook group is a great place to go if you want to scold me for how I handle the podcast. NFLBigBoard.com for all your draft needs and desires. Did a big update, as I said. I'd, some of the, I don't know what's going on with that thing. I could swear I took a couple guys off, like the, the Mr. Mack in the first round there, but he's still there. Saw him this morning. Don't know how that happened. But whatever. Still uh, very, very cool and useful uh, tool for you. I think that's good enough. Let's let's dive in. So we'll start with the statistics stuff. Um, I will agree that I underutilize Football Outsiders. I think it's a pretty good resource. Here's generally how I look at this. There's there's concrete information and then there's context. It's a difference between concrete and context. Statistics are 100% concrete. Right? They just are what they are. If you go 10 yards, it's 10 yards, and that's it. It's not disputable. It's not up for debate. The problem with it is it doesn't provide any context, and we don't understand things. Pro football focus, I think, is the other extreme, which is pretty much all context. It's asking, you know, trying to look at all the variables and, and giving you a, a value based on you know, what they saw. I think Football Outsiders is maybe somewhere in between where they take the concrete stats, because Football Outsiders is statistics. They just try to add another dimension to the statistics to say, yeah, but, you know, okay, you, you got 500 yards, but who was your opponent? And then they try to weight it a little bit. So it's weighted statistics. So it's concrete information with a little more context. But I think all three are tools. I do think statistics matter. I think there are times when you don't really need context. It just it just depends what the question is. It depends what the, the data shows and what, what the question is. You know, I was looking at Tampa Bay. We're going to get into this too, but you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, their Air Coriel offense and their ability to stretch defenses and, their, and how effective they were passing the ball and passing it deep. I don't really need to know context all that much to know that it was effective. Now, whether it's the 
offensive coordinator, whether it's the head coach, whether it's the wide receivers coach, whether it's the wide receivers themselves, whether it's the quarterback, I don't know. Maybe it's just the system. I don't have that context, and Football Outsiders doesn't either necessarily, but I know it worked. Now, you can try to add more context to it if you want, but again, what's the question? The question is, were they able to stretch defenses deep? Of course they were, and I know because I can just go look at the yardage that they got, and I can look at the point totals, and I've seen the highlights of these guys just week after week, like, oh man, they're just blowing up 500-some yards, you know, crazy amount of passing yards. It does work. Again, it's just it's just a matter of what's the question, and I, I think... For me, all these things are just tools, and I really like them. I like Football Outsiders, even though I, I definitely underutilize it. It's just, it's not the easiest to navigate as far as, like, when I ask questions, can they answer it in a concise way that kind of makes sense? I, I just struggle with it a little bit, but I definitely underutilize it. And I think even for my little project where I looked at, you know, best defenses, best offenses, Football Outsiders probably would have been a little better. I'm not starting over, <laughs> but I do think that would have been a better probably a better source than just raw statistics because in that case you do want a little bit of context especially since they add in uh weighted you know offense weighted defense which is to say we take into account the entire year but week one is less you know it's weighted less than week 17 but even that is it's it's not you know some people get too extreme with stuff you know for example mr todd saying you should never use statistics that's not true there are people right now evaluating talent for the draft that are looking at statistics because production matters. And you try to add as much context as you can, but let me give you an example. Look at Mr. Nikhil Harry. Go check out his highlights. One of the big knocks on Nikhil Harry, the guy's never open, ever. And a lot of people are terrified because that happens sometimes. you guys got guys that can't separate. They don't translate into the NFL. However, the guy just keeps winning. So if you look at his stats... They say one thing. If you look at the context, it says a different thing. It's just a matter of how much you want to weight it. How Where do you want to put him? Maybe you want to split it down the middle and say he could be good, but he's too high risk. Let's call him a third-round guy. Some people look at the production and his size, and they say, no, he's going to be Julio Jones. He should be early first. You got other people saying he's never going to separate, and you can't do that in the NFL. I'm not touching him. What is the question? What are you looking at, and, and how much do you weight things? What are you putting your – and at the end of the day, it's just a leap of faith. If you draft them, you know what the issues are. But again, they do look at production. You know, if you had five yards per carry over an eight-year period, you know, if you just told me, hey, this running back had five yards per carry over his eight-year career, I promise you my question isn't going to be, yeah, but who did he play every game for eight years? Tell me every team he went up against. I need con- I don't need context. If you average out over the course of an eight-year career, five yards per carry, I don't need further context. That's unbelievable. So you just use the right tools at the right time. That's sort of how I feel about things. And again, and even with the context, even with the statistics, all it is is a, a useless endeavor to try to hone in as close as we possibly can to giving an answer to a question that we're never going to be able to answer. Let me just ask you this question. The Colts' defense... How good are they? If you had to rank them right now, based on what I told you yesterday, you know, what 16 points per game or whatever, based on what they just did to the Texans, based on what everybody who's watching them closely says as, as far as how good they are today, where do you rank them? Bears are number one. Okay, fine. Are the Colts number two, number three, number four? If you look at statistics, they're 10th in points and 11th in yards. If you look at pro football focus, they're 18th 
If you look at Football Outsiders, it's eighth. So you can kind of, again, what's the question? What are we trying to answer, and what's the best tool? I think Football Outsiders is the closest to correct in this, but I don't think they're the eighth. They're, they're better than that. I would say they're arguably the second, maybe third. They have Minnesota, number three. They have Buffalo, number two. Baltimore Ravens, number four. Denver, number five. New Orleans, number six. The Chargers, number seven. And Indianapolis, number eight. And that's just if you look at weighted. If you don't weight it, they have India 10th. So I would just not get too dogmatic about stuff and just try to use the right tools for the right job and understand that even this isn't going to give you 100% of the picture. At best, you're getting like 20%. I don't know, I just made that up off the top of my head. But it's just, it's, I don't even think we're getting to 50%. Who are the Colts today is, isn't going to be answered by any of these, these websites. I trust more of what I saw against the Texans to tell me who the Colts are today than I do of any of these sites. So anyways, that's about it. Let's move on to our uh, head coach candidate. Let me just quickly read you, because a lot of people are questioning why this is even a thing. Obviously, the Buccaneers are not a very good team. We'll get into sort of the in-depth, but I think this is just sort of the overview that maybe a lot of people are missing. This is uh, straight out of Roto World. It says, the interview will take place Saturday. Munkin has been one of the most sought-after coordinators this offseason after leading the Bucks to the top passing attack in the league. He's also scheduled to meet with the Bengals and Jets next week. So I think that's kind of the thing, and it, there is definitely a question in my mind of, is he a serious candidate for head coach? Are we fishing around for offensive coordinator? Is this just a fact-finding mission? But um, something to note, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are an Air Coriel system which is to say that that is their primary mode of operation. Their main... I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on Eric Coriel, but they definitely stress the deep ball more than anybody else, definitely more than the West Coast. West Coast, I think, is is overhyped as like an air-it-out kind of system. It's actually more of a slant pass, kind of control the ball, control the tempo kind of thing. But anyways, Eric Coriel is, is... seen as like West Coast on steroids that emphasizes the deep pass more than anybody else. So when you see higher stats, that's kind of a product of that. They're looking for that. But there's a lot of other Air Coriel systems that weren't as effective as the Tampa Bay Buccaneer. So that was their goal, and they were able to execute it. Now, I'm, I'm again, I don't want to go too far down into this because, again, there's so many different variables. I mean, you can look at it and say, yeah, but they've got Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson. I mean, Deshaun, I mean, Deshaun Jackson should never leave an Eric Coriel system because that's all he is. I shouldn't say that's all. That's unfair. He's, he's a good wide receiver. But, I mean, if, if you're running Eric Coriel, you should be falling all over yourself to get Deshaun Jackson on your team because you're not going to find a better, just true deep threat than that guy. Well, that's maybe not true, but he's, he's very good. But regardless, they set out to do something, and he did it. And I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers shocked a lot of people, despite the fact that they weren't very successful. And I am going to look at stats here. Sorry, Todd. First of all, just looking at some of these points. Now, consistency was a really big problem. They uh, they did really well as far as uh, you know yards are concerned, but not necessarily consistently, especially in terms of points. Which again, I mean, Eric Coriel is a is a is a plan, and even if you execute it, more yards doesn't necessarily lead to more points. Doesn't necessarily lead to wins. It doesn't hurt. It definitely helps. But anyways, just looking at some of these point totals: forty-eight points against the Saints. I mean, this this is a team that can just absolutely explode. 27 against the Eagles, 27 Steelers, 29 Falcons, 26 Browns, 34 Bengals, 28 Panthers, 35 Giants, 27 49ers, 32 against the Falcons most recently. But again, the biggest thing is the yardage. Keep in mind that this team had no ability 
to run the ball whatsoever. So when I talk about total yardage, and we can look at passing yardage, but this is with no help from the rushing offense. 30, 31st best ranked rushing yards per attempt. But if you look at this team and their total yardage, they had five games of 500 or more yards. They had five games of 400, you know, between 400 and 500. So more than 400 yards, 10 games. You know how many of the Packers had? Packers had four. Four games of 400 or more yards. And we were 12th. We were better than average. So just strictly from a yardage standpoint, and this is, again, this is somewhat of a one-dimensional kind of thing. We're not necessarily talking about points. We're not even talking, we're definitely not talking about running the football because they have no ability to do that in Tampa Bay. But there's a lot of people that want to reach out and say, what in the world did you do over there? Because amidst a team that can't really do anything right, horrible at running the ball, terrible defense, didn't even score that many points, didn't win very many games at all. They won five games. The only game they won that was any bit impressive really was the Saints. The only other games were the Browns, the Eagles, the 49ers, and the Panthers. It was Panthers week 13 after they kind of collapsed. 49ers are not good. Eagles were not very good, especially week two. And Browns are eh, okay, I guess. But still, this is the kind of thing that turns heads. Like when you're this good at one thing, and, and, and let's let's dive into his past because you'll understand, you know, you look at him as an offensive coordinator and say, okay, but that's super one-dimensional. But let's let's look at what he specializes in. Started off as a grad assistant like a lot of these people did. He's a college guy, Grand Valley State, which is a D2 school. Then he jumps up into Notre Dame. One thing about this guy, he's real good at, like, wiggling his way up. I mean, all these guys are, but it's just something about the way he's done it. He even, like, will take a step back if it's with a bigger program because he, you know what I mean? And then you work your way up there, and now you're a higher profile at a bigger program. But anyways, his first job job, gets, uh, he gets hired at Eastern Michigan as a defensive backs slash wide receivers coach. So basically passing game, safeties, corners, wide receivers. He does that all the way through 1997. Eastern Michigan promotes him to offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach. So he's got now more experience this time with quarterbacks. He then takes a running back coach job with Louisiana Tech. He moves on after that year to wide receivers coach and then gets a job as the passing game coordinator slash wide receivers coach at Oklahoma State. Does that for three years, again, continuing to work his way up. LSU hires him as a passing game coordinator slash wide receivers coach. From there, again, he takes a step back, but he makes a leap into the NFL. He's a wide receivers coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I'm not going to go into this because it's super boring, but the bottom line is they have nobody on this team absolute trash wide receivers prior to him getting there. So he gets there in 2007. In 2006, the Jacksonville Jaguars didn't have a wide receiver that went over uh, 700, I mean, 640 some yards was like the most. Then there was a little bit of a spike. He got guys up to like 800 yards. And then after he left, um, that's when Blaine Gabbert came in. The number one guy in receptions or in, in yardage was Mercedes Lewis. He had 400 and some yards. That was number one. So again, this is another situation where I don't really want more context or need more context. There's no context in the world that's going to be like, oh, actually, they were really good. They just they just played nothing. Like they played 16 games against the number one passing defense. That's no, nah, I don't. I'm good, man. I don't need more context. Terrible, terrible team. Now, how much of that was was him making it better, and how much of that, you know, what I don't know. The one interesting tidbit here, though. The offensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars was Dirk Cutter, who was the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So they kind of reconvened a little bit later. So Dirk Cutter is the offensive coordinator. He is the, uh, Munkin is the wide receivers coach for the Jaguars for four years. He goes back this time to Oklahoma State. He's been there before, but this time offensive coordinator quarterbacks coach, which is a higher job than he had before. Then finally, again, 
he gets the, the big jump, the big break he's been looking for, a head coaching job for Southern Mississippi. Again, not going to get too into it because it's kind of boring, but he does kind of bring a broken program back. So it's kind of a weird thing. They had a coach, built this team up to a 12-win team. They go on to win a bowl game, the Hawaii Bowl, I think. The very next year, they go from 12 wins to 12 losses. They went 0-12. So that guy gets fired. Munkin comes in, they win one game, then they win four games, and they win seven games, and they win nine games or something. I don't know. They ended up with nine wins, decent season, they lost a bowl game, whatever. Then Dirk Cutter calls him in 2016. His old offensive coordinator says, I got a head coaching job with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I want to bring you on as our offensive coordinator slash wide receivers coach. So that's what he does. And from 2016, 2017, 2018, the offense, at least in terms of yardage, gets progressively better. The one caveat is... The year prior to them getting there, they were actually 5th in yardage, and they jumped back to 18th, which I think happens sometimes when you have a change of regime. Things kind of get shook up, but he brings them back to prominence, and then this year they were 3rd overall in yards. If we do take a look quickly at football outsiders here, Tampa Bay's offense, their weighted offense was 13th, but I think in this case I'm looking more at uh, their overall offense, which isn't that different, but it's 12th because I'm more interested in what he did for the course of the season. I'm not asking what they are today. Uh, Their passing offense, they have ranked ninth. What exactly does that mean? I'm not really sure. And I I think that's part of my problem with football outsiders. I mean, if you just want to know their their rank, okay. But I'm looking at yardage, and I want to know how well they did in terms of yardage. This isn't a yardage rank. This is their offensive rank, and it's an overall value. What is the value of this offense, or the value of the passing offense? Well, I, I mean... Are we looking at quarterbacks and wide receivers? Are we looking at yards? Are we looking at touchdowns? Are we factoring first downs? I, I don't know what all goes into this and how to extract passing yards out of this metric. So again, it kind of just brings me back to generalized statistics. If somebody would like to explain to me how I can get a more detailed analysis of the yards, that'd be great. Now, one thing I can do is look at each individual wide receiver because they kind of look at adjusted yards. Let me Let me just do that really quick. Again, I'm not going to get too in-depth because it's just this is just one head coach and it's not really worth it to go this in-depth on him. But if you look at Mike Evans, he was ranked fourth according to DYAR. He was ranked third in terms of DVOA. However, his adjusted yardage, his total yardage was 1,524. His EYDS, which is just sort of adjusting the yardage based on, I guess, sort of the value, which would be kind of cool if they did that for the team or the wide receivers as a whole or whatever, which I guess I could do by adding it up, but there's no way I'm that interested it's 1,492, so it's slightly less. In other words, they're saying his yardage is a little bit inflated based on the competition. Either way, the yardage so blows everybody else out of the water, it's worth talking about. I mean, they're in the same conversation as the Saints and the Chiefs as far as yardage, and their teams are, I mean, this is a garbage football team. So in in other words, that's sort of where it's at, and I think that's where I'm going to leave it. He's a college guy. He's got extensive uh, experience with wide receivers, a little bit with uh, quarterbacks. Um, And for whatever reason, he kind of made stuff work there. Probably a lot to do with the talent that they have. You know, Jameis Winston, despite all his issues, I think he's, he doesn't have a problem kind of hauling off and just launching a ball down the field. It's a decent quarterback for that. Fitzpatrick obviously did a good job with that certain system. Deshaun Jackson is built for that. Mike Evans is a good wide receiver. He can handle it. It just worked. Now, do I want him to come here with our wide receivers, which are not really built for an area? Well, I shouldn't say that. We've got Now we've got some speed guys. But I don't think Devontae belongs in that kind of a system. He's more of a West Coast guy, in my opinion. But do I want him to come here because he was able to do that? No, but 
So I, I guess I'm leaning toward this is sort of a fact-finding thing. We're going to pick his brain a little bit. I don't think I want him to even necessarily be an offensive coordinator here. Because in order for him to try to replicate that, he's going to have to change the offensive system. And the offensive, that, that impacts everything. You can't just really extract certain things. I think we, we get too focused on that sometimes. We look at it and go, yeah, but if we just plug him in here, we get like this multiplier for our wide receivers, like in a video game or something. Like it's just, it's like a bonus for your wide receivers. And then all of a sudden they're really good. That's, it's, that's not how it works though. I mean, he would have to come in and implement an Eric Coriel system, a different, entirely different offense. And then if we did, let's say it was Josh McDaniels and, uh, and Munkin, well, now we got Josh McDaniels who's turning over the offense to Munkin to implement an Eric Coriel. And if he doesn't turn over the offense to Todd Munkin, then we're asking him to operate within a Patriots system, but make it look like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers system, which can't work because the plays aren't designed to look that way. And then you factor in again, you've got a different quarterback, different wide receivers. It's just, it, that doesn't make sense. That's not how that works. So again, I just come back to, I don't see this as being legitimate. He had a lot of success. That's cool. We'll see what happens if he ends up getting a job somewhere, but I, I don't know. I don't necessarily think it's plug and play. And, and to be completely honest, even with the yards, I don't really want the Tampa Bay offense. They had a hard time scoring points in a lot of games. They had no ability to run the football whatsoever. And if you want to say that's the players, that's fine. But then why aren't we saying that about the, the passing yards? And if everything he does is dependent on players, why do we even need him? I don't know. Let's talk some playoff football. Oh, and one other thing that I wanted to mention, I know other people have mentioned it before in the past, but Deshaun Jackson is somewhat of a target. He is under contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but there's been some rumblings that he wants to leave Tampa Bay. Um, The Tampa Bay Buccaneers could let him walk with zero reservations. I mean, other than not having Deshaun Jackson, but they have zero dead cap money. 20 million of the 33.5 million was guaranteed. That's already been paid out. In fact, his, his contract was structured to basically just be salary. He got a $6 million roster bonus when he signed. I'm guessing it was just a $6 million signing bonus. They didn't even bother to spread that out. They just gave it to him that year. So basically, he's, he's he has a $10 million one-year contract. So if a team wanted to trade for him, or if Tampa Bay just decides to cut him, whatever, you pick him up for $10 bucks. Do I want Deshaun for $10 million? I'm not sure I do, but it is an option. Just thought I'd throw it out there, something to mull over. So today... The first game up, we have the Chargers and the Baltimore Ravens. So I think for the sake of, based on what we talked about as far as conversation, I'll go over these teams very briefly in terms of their stats, in terms of their uh, football outsiders and pro football focus, just to give you as big a picture. You can pick and choose what you like and don't like. And then I'll get over to my sheet and do some comparisons, and we'll move on to Bears-Eagles, which is the game that I just absolutely cannot wait to watch. And please, 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 please let the Eagles win. So let's start with football outsiders here. They've got the Baltimore Ravens overall ranked as the sixth best team in the NFL. Last year they had them seventh. Their weighted rank is seventh, meaning if you focus more on the latter part of the season, they're actually slightly less good, but not big difference there. They have their offense ranked 15th and their defense ranked third, also have a special teams rank of sixth. The LA Chargers, they have third overall, which should make this a pretty good game, third and sixth best teams. They're weighted. There isn't a difference. Still third. Offensive rank is third. Defensive rank is eighth. And special teams is 25th. So pretty terrible special teams, but pretty good, solid offense and defense. Looking just at stats, stats, not a huge 
difference here, pretty uh, average to good in, in both offense and defense. If you look at just points over the course of the season, they are 6th in points for, 8th in points against. Yards, they're in 11th in yards and 9th in yards against, or defensive, however you want to say that. There really isn't anything that they're really bad at. The worst rank that I can really see that's somewhat substantive here, um, I guess 15th in rushing yards, but if you look at yards per attempt, they're 7th. They just don't rush the ball all that much. So yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just a solid team. Now, the question is, what have we been seeing recently, which is why I kind of like looking at stats, because you can kind of look at game by game. You can do that with Pro Football Focus, too, but you know, whatever. One of the things I really like about a team is consistency, which is hard to find, but um, not seeing a huge amount here. If we just go back to, say, Week 10-ish, because for some reason that's kind of where I end up. It's two weeks after their buy. The point totals that they've had on offense, 20-22, pretty low, then 45 then 33, 26, 29, 10, 23. Now, yes, context is important. The 45 was against the Cardinals. The 10 was against the Ravens, which, by the way, the last time they played the Ravens, they lost, which could maybe just lead off with that, but that's no fun. On defense, 6, 23, 10, 30, 21, 28, 22, 9. So I think the biggest problem, just looking at this, is that I, I, I see a team that just is it's like water. It just kind of reacts to what it's going up against. I'm not seeing a lot of, like, getting over the hump. Baltimore has a really good defense. Can you blast through that with your high-powered offense and, and score a lot of points? Well, no, you got 10. Your defense is pretty solid. Can you can you stop the Chiefs? Well, I guess kind of. They they only got 28 points. They actually did beat the Chiefs, 29 to 28. But, you know, I don't know. That's kind of an in-between-ish kind of thing. They seem kind of predictable based on the opponent. In other words, in this game, I wouldn't expect their offense to score a lot of points. I'm not saying they're going to lose... And this is in Baltimore. Last time they played was uh, was at home when they lost 10-22. to This time it's in Baltimore, which isn't going to help them very much. But I'm not saying they're going to lose. I'm just saying I don't see this as a team that's like really just, you know, expectations be darned or whatever. We're just going to do what we want to do. We're going to impose our will. Not really. But still a good team. I mean, when you're 12-4, and you're, you're a pretty good team. Baltimore Ravens looking at stats. Um, obviously, the defense really stands out. Second in points, first in yards allowed offensively not terrible they're ninth in yards but 13th and so pretty average as far as points scored uh yardage is top 10 i think as far as points though they're they're consistently average right as far as outliers week one 47 points week 12 34 points against the raiders so only two in the 30s and then there's only two under 20 pittsburgh steelers they scored six cleveland browns they scored nine so this is consistent 23, 27, 26, 21, 23, 21, 24, 26, 24, 20, 22, 26. Those are all the other games. So I, I, I'd be willing to bet they're going to score in the 20s. The reason they win a lot of games, because this is what their defense does. 3, 34, 14, 14, 12, 0, 24, 36, 23, 21, 17, 16, 27, 12, 10, 24. Most of those are lower. Nine games this year have been 19 points or less have been under 20, not even 19. What would it be, 17 and less? That's pretty impressive. Even games where, there's, where they scored 20, you know, they got 24, the Cleveland Browns scored, they got to 26. Bengals scored 21, the, the Ravens eked out 24. So really, in my mind, this just comes down to the Chargers kind of manning up and, and you know, it's in their hands because I don't think the Ravens have it in them to get 30 points. They've done it in the past, I just don't see it. Basically, the Ravens are 1-5 when a team has scored 23 points or more. That's kind of where we're at. Can the Chargers get to 23 points? Conversely, the Ravens are 7-1 and one when they score 24 or more points. 
See, the, the thing that makes me nervous about this, though, is anytime you have something that's this lopsided, you know, it, it, we've seen so many times great defenses just have a bad day. Texans, I think, had a pretty bad day. And the question was, who's going to step up? And the answer was, nobody else is there to step up. You know, what happens when Watson and Hopkins have a bad day and they're just off? Well, they lose miserably. If the Ravens' defense has a bad day, they're done. They're cooked. And it's hard coming out of the wild card expecting, hey, you need to keep teams under 23 points every single week so that we can win. It's not a, you know, whatever. Flipping over to Pro Football Focus, they are much less impressed with either of these teams. They have the Chargers 8th overall and the Ravens 17th overall, so below average team overall. Looking specifically at offense, the Chargers, they have 4th. The Ravens, they have 23rd, which is why you would, you know, that's why they're ranked so low, which I think isn't really unfair of an assessment, in my opinion, based on what I just saw as far as their stat, but whatever. Flipping over to defense, they have the Ravens 10th, they have the Chargers 16th. I'm not going to go too much more in depth on that because, again, just kind of a cursory look at that before we get into the comps and whatnot. But again, just keep in mind, we're, we're separating out stats from Pro Football Focus, which is just evaluating the players. So again, the Ravens are a team where PFF is looking at it going, I don't see a lot of really good players. And then you've got football outsiders saying, well, here's the production of this team. So there's a gap there. Teams are The team is playing better than the sum of their parts or whatever. Or the sum is better than the individual. Whatever. You know what I'm saying. But let's take a look at the Baltimore Ravens here, who have currently, and what I decided to do was look at uh, Lamar Jackson as the quarterback and use his ranking which is a smaller sample size, but that's the quarterback they're rolling with. He is currently ranked as the 41st best quarterback in the NFL. Otherwise, we've got the 13th in points for, second in points against, which would be the top comp. I don't really think there's any question about it. We're looking at the 2016 Broncos. The Ravens offense does seem to be a little better, but the Ravens defense was also a little bit better. Um, And then you've got basically Peyton Manning, who's the 39th best quarterback, and you have Lamar Jackson, who's the 41st best quarterback. That's kind of what we're looking at. You could say it's the 2013 Ravens, but um, I don't know. With the numbers I have, that doesn't necessarily fit, although I think the Ravens' defense stepped up in a big way in the playoffs, so maybe you could say at the end of the season or during the playoffs they had a similar defense. But uh, Flacco was 24th best at that point, so a much better quarterback. Oh, you know what? I lied. How about this one? The 2009 Steelers. Now, again, the offense for the Ravens is much better right now. The Steelers are 20th in points, 22nd in yards, but number one in uh, points against, number one in yards. Ben Roethlisberger that year was the 35th best uh, quarterback. So there you go. Baltimore Ravens are the 2009 Steelers, since I already used the Broncos. And I'm probably going to use them again for the Bears. (laughs) Chargers, I think, are the uh, 2015 Patriots. I hate that I keep using the same ones, but it just is what it is. Looking at my favorite metrics, points for, points against, and quarterback, the Patriots are 4th, 8th, and 5th. The Chargers right now are 6th, 8th, and 4th. Very, very similar. As far as my pick, I think I I really want the Chargers to do well because I feel like they're finally playing up to their potential and whatnot. And I don't know that Lamar is a spectacular quarterback and is the one that's going to really bring you a Super Bowl championship. However... I can't get over the production of the Ravens' defense. I, I don't know, man. I think playoff time, I, I tend to default toward defense. And when you're, points against, when you're second in points against and you get that more consistency, like you see with the Ravens on offense and defense, there's consistency. You know what you're going to get, and you're going to get it. 
you know, maybe a better team is going to kind of, you know, take you out of your element, but I just don't know the Chargers of that team. They're too volatile. I'm taking the Ravens to win this game. So we're going to flip over to the last game, the Eagles-Bears. Obviously, we all want the Eagles to win. We're going to start off again with football outsiders. They have the Chicago Bears as the fifth best team. Philadelphia Eagles as the 15th best team. If you look at the uh, weighted averages that Philadelphia Eagles actual dro- actually drop to 16th, Chicago stays at 5th. So looking at this point of the season, according to Football Outsiders, it's the 5th ranked Bears against the 16th ranked Eagles. That's not fa- fantastic. Not surprisingly, offense and defense, the Bears ranked number 1 in defense, number 20 in offense, 26th in special teams, which is also not great. Philadelphia, 16th on offense, 15th on defense, 15th on special teams, basically dead average across the board. I'm actually going to go over and start with uh, Pro Football Focus this time. PFF actually has them much closer. Uh, The Bears, they also have 5th, which is the same, but the Eagles, they have ranked 9th, and they do put them in the elite category. There's only 9 teams that they have graded as elite. This is one of them, actually both of these teams. Most of the playoff teams, Eagles, Chargers, Colts, Texans, Bears, Patriots, Chiefs, Saints, and Rams. As far as offense, they have the Eagles ranked 11th and the Bears 24th. So, again, PFF likes the Eagles offense a little bit more, and they actually dislike the Bears. Uh, maybe this is why I like PFF. They they love Aaron Rodgers, and they hate the Bears. Defense, obviously, there is it's, it's unanimous across the board. Uh, Chicago Bears are number one. Philadelphia Eagles, though, they have them fifth. So much more love there. Uh, basically, their run defense and pass rush are pretty stout with the Philadelphia Eagles. They actually have a better pass rush than the Chicago Bears, according to PFF, who actually don't have a whole lot of love for the Bears' pass rush. Yes, everybody knows Khalil Mack, but there are other players that are being graded, not just Khalil Mack. And again, PFF is not a stats website. You're looking at these other guys for stats. So you can count the stats of, or count the number of sacks if you want, but that's kind of irrelevant for what we're talking about here with PFF. For fun, since uh, special teams was mentioned for pro football or for football outsiders, which by the way, Green Bay Packers ranked dead last in special teams. I don't know if I mentioned that or not, but I just happen to notice that now. The Bears they have ranked 22nd, and the Eagles ranked 16th. So not a whole lot to expect there. Hopefully that's something the Eagles can exploit in some way. Anything, anything, any advantage we can get, including the Bears special teams not being good, I'll take it. Then flipping over here to stats, uh, Chicago Bears ninth in points. They actually do pretty well as far as scoring. First in points against, 21st in yards, third in uh, defensive yard. I think if you look at, um, I think if you look at the offense, I would almost say it's safe to say that the Bears' offense is declining. The most that they've scored since Week 11 is 27 points against the New York Giants. It's 25, 23, 27, 15, 24, 14, 24. Prior to that, their scoring totals 23, 24, 16, 48, 28, 31, 24, 41, 34. So they had a lot of big shootouts there. But uh, since week 11, it's all been based on the defense. And um, defense is solid, but also pretty inconsistent. If you look at it, uh, 24, 17, 14, 10, that's pretty solid. Then 31, 38, that's not good. 10, 9, 22, 20, 16, that's awesome. Then 30 against the Giants, then 6, then 17, then 9, then 10. So completely dominant, especially if you look at the last four games, is ridiculous. Six points for the Rams, so there's your context. The the Bears scored 15 points against the Rams and won. That's insane. Basically, they scored 15, 24, 14, and 24 and won all four games. That's absurd. But the defense has been playing out, playing lights out very recently, but um, again, if you look back throughout the course of the season, there's there's these 
inconsistent blips. And really, when you talk about the playoffs, we're talking about just a series of games here. They got to play, f- win four games in a row. The defense has already played four really good games in a row. Can they do another four without giving up a 30? And if they do give up 30, are they going to be able to keep up with that? So they, they need the defense to really step up and just be consistent for four more games. If they can, there's no reason this team can't win a Super Bowl, unfortunately for all of us. Uh, flipping over to the Eagles, Eagles defense just, I mean, its you can't count on it for much of anything. You want to talk about inconsistent. They won their last game 24-0. to That's awesome. The last time they played, though, they played the Texans. They allowed 30 points. They won it, but they allowed 30. So if we just go backwards, 0, 30, 23, 29, 13, 22, 48, 27, wildly inconsistent. Offense going in reverse, starting with the Washington Redskins. 24, meh. 32, nice. 30, nice. 23, meh. 28, pretty good. 25, eh. 7, yikes. 20, eh. So you got a lot of kind of meh 20s. Then you've got some high 20s, 30s. And then you also have 7 against the Saints. I mean, you get beat 7 to 48. That's scary. So, I mean, since that game, they've gone 5-1, and one, only losing to the Cowboys in overtime. If you just read it that way, this is a pretty good team. But just looking at the production that they've had, especially, again, giving context, the Giants, they beat by three, only scoring 25 points. That's not great. The Redskins, they beat 28-13. Lost to the Cowboys. Beat the Rams. That's pretty awesome. Again, this is showing kind of the upside, the, the you know, potential of the team. But, you know, again, if I'm talking, if, if I'm putting money down on a team, I need to see consistency. I really want to see some kind of defense. And not just good defense, but consistently good defense. And I'm not going to see that from the Eagles. However, I don't care. I don't care if the Eagles don't win a Super Bowl. I just need one game. Win one game, never win a game for the rest of your franchise history for all I care. Just beat the Bears. Flipping over to the comps real quick. They actually remind me a lot of the 2008 Giants. Very mediocre across the board. The Giants were 14th in points, 16th in yards, 17th in points again, 7th in yards uh, on defense. And then their quarterback, Eli Manning, was ranked 29th. Eagles are 18, 14, 12, 23, and 20. Just bleh. Just nothing. Mediocre. Uh, and the, the, the 2013 Giants, 2008 Giants are the two outliers in terms of not seeing what you always expect to see. Meaning if you compare to the Giants or the Ravens, that's not a good thing. Because these are teams that never should have won. And again, the Ravens, I'm sure we're playing like a top five defense in the playoffs. So that really doesn't even count. The Eagles compared to the outlier 2008 Giants, who obviously got their stuff together for a series of games to be able to win a Super Bowl. But um, it's not it's not looking great for the Eagles right now, unless we can just start to see it really start to come together for them here in the playoffs. For the Bears, I, I really want, I would like to be able to say 2014 Seahawks. The problem is Trubisky isn't Russell Wilson. If we're just looking at numbers, it's not a horrible comp. On offense, you're looking at you know ninth or eighth in points compared to ninth in points, seventeenth in yards compared to twenty-first in yards, and then the Seattle Seahawks were first in points and yards on defense. Bears are first and third in yards. If Trubisky can really step it up and and play like a top ten quarterback, that's what you got the 2014 Seahawks. But again, the biggest difference here is Trubisky is ranked as the 37th best quarterback. For that reason, I'm either looking at the 2009 Steelers or the 2016 Broncos. Mediocre offense. Great defense, not a very good quarterback. Possibly 2,003 bucks, but again, I don't have the numbers on the quarterback, but that was kind of similar. Or the 2001 Ravens, possibly 2004 Patriots, but I'm assuming Tom Brady was a very good quarterback that year as well. How about this? For the sake of mixing it up, let's just say 2001 Ravens. That's who the Bears are. 
Uh, as far as my prediction, I, I have to say Bears. Obviously, I don't want it to be the Bears, but I, I can't be honest and say I think the Eagles are going to win. Obviously, they have a chance, but you know the, the, the Bears have the offensive scheme to be able to make it work. Again, they're, they're ninth in points. They, they can score points. And I think the defense helps. The, the reason they're terrible in yards but great in points, field position. Field position is how you do that. You don't have to go very far to get very many points. So the Eagles really need to to be able to step it up. And I'm, I'm hoping to see, um, you know, Nick Nick Foles, as I said, in the Super Bowl, in the game prior to the Super Bowl, the divisional, cha- uh, the divisional round or whatever, he played out of his mind. If he can do that again, I think they can win. Defense needs to keep the pressure on this offense. But... Um, yeah, if, if I'm just putting money down, it's the Bears. Anyways, I got up at 3 to do this podcast. It's 7.30. That's four and a half hours. That's pretty horrible. So enjoy your Sunday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.